Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 213. My name is John Morgan, coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. Beautiful, gorgeous April afternoon, just chilling at home, enjoying the calm before the storm on a wild, wild weekend of mixed martial arts. Cold Coffee not with me right now. He is with Stephen Morocco in San Jose, California for Bellator 220 McDonald versus Fitch. But don't think we let him off the hook that easy. You'll be hearing from Cold Coffee very, very soon. That's not all that's going on with the MMA Junkie crew. Matt Erickson also in South Florida this week for UFC on ESPN Plus 8. Jacare versus Hermanson. Uh, listen, major, major events. First time in a while, the UFC and Bellator have been going up back-to-back against each other. Interesting to say the least. Also, uh, and, and I don't know that a lot has been made about this, but you know, with the switch in broadcast for ESPN+, Plus, now that was originally supposed to be UFC on ESPN3, that's shifted over to ESPN+. Plus. Of course, prelims are still on ESPN and ESPN2. It's crazy. They got a lot of outlets at ESPN. They can move things all around. But the main card shifted over to ESPN+. Plus. So the main cards of both these two fight cards, Bellator and UFC on ESPN+, Plus, uh, both will be on streaming services. Bellator 220 will be on DAZN, UFC on ESPN+, Plus 8, of course, on ESPN+. Plus. So kind of interesting to see. You know, we've been talking about for a while the amount of mixed martial arts going behind a paywall, not being readily available. Still there and still some great fights, but you got to pay to see them. So... It's interesting. I mean, we don't get uh, ratings numbers or anything like that, so we're not going to get an apples-to-apples comparison, but um, it's an interesting weekend, as busy as it is for both of them to be behind paywalls. But listen, it's not just those two cards. If you look around, this is a crazy, crazy weekend of MMA, and actually it's it's kind of already started, but uh, you look on Friday night, okay, Titan FC 54, that's in Florida as well, uh, and that, of course, is on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, Matt Erickson is actually going to be at that one. Uh, Dana White will be there. Uh, that is going to be a filming location for Dana White's looking for a fight. So Dana's going to be there in attendance. And, of course, then the actual card itself, Titan SC 54, uh, will be on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, UFC President Dana White will also be doing a little bit of a media scrum there. So that's one reason that, uh, that, that Matt Erickson was going to be there. So we should have some coverage uh, on MMA Junkie on Friday night from the UFC press. Um, additionally, on Friday night, LF, LFA 64 in South Dakota, so Access TV Fights, of course, the well-respected uh, brand of, of fighting there. They have uh, fights going on. Saturday morning, before the, the dual events uh, of USC and Bellator, you got Cage Warriors 104, that's in Wales, that's on USC Fight Pass, and you also have KSW 48 in Poland, and that's on DAZN. Now, admittedly, that's kind of a smaller show. If you haven't seen KSW before, uh, they do massive, massive, really cool shows. Um, but this one's going to be a little bit of a smaller show for them. Uh, they, they've got some bigger shows on the way, but still on the zone. So, I mean, uh, between USC Fight Pass, ESPN+, Plus, Access TV, I mean, ton of, ton of fights this weekend. Six top-tier, you know, kind of highly respected organizations. Of course, UFC and Bellator are the biggest in the world. But, you know, when you talk about Titan FC, LFA, uh, Cage Warriors, KSW, those are all very, very respected organizations for their their different regions around the world. So a lot of uh, mixed martial arts. And I'll be honest with you, I, I love it. <laughs> I, I hear the argument for saturation, but I love it. Uh, to me, this is how development happens in the sport. This is how opportunities happen. This is how you know more athletes get involved, more athletes decide they want to do this and, and, and take these opportunities. So I love it. I, I get it. Fans, the average fan especially, can't watch it all. And I think that's why it's kind of up to us 
as mixed martial arts journalists to um you know to kind of help you better understand what to watch what not to watch and um i think that's one thing i really want to embrace moving forward man i, I i'm kind of working on some things behind the scenes um but i i, I really want to have more of that i mean of course the ufc the top tier bellator the top tier that's where the majority of our focus is always going to be but man I, I really do love finding that kind of next wave and that next guy to look at that next girl to keep an eye on man i, I really do enjoy doing that and um I, I think probably more so than a lot of people do i, I think even people our own staff would probably <laughs> an mma junkie would probably say man i don't want to watch that stuff I I got other things to do, but me, uh, I'm an MMA junkie through and through. So I, I'm kind of working on some projects um, to, to maybe kind of help cipher that that down a little bit because I know not everybody can can watch everything. But uh, but I dig it, man. Count count me in. Listen, since we last spoke, it was a UFC on ESPN Plus seven. Overeem versus Olenek versus, uh, from St. Petersburg, Russia. Of course, uh, unfortunately, that was the first show all year that MMA Junkie didn't have somebody yet, uh, but we certainly were tuned into it, man. It was uh, We didn't have coverage from on the ground, but we, we did have it covered. Uh, just so expensive to get over there. It ended up being a pretty damn good show, man. It was early in the morning. Uh, first fight uh, was 7 a.m. Pacific time here in Las Vegas. I I, uh, I, I I like those early starts, man. I do. That might be a little early. If we could get around like 9, 10, maybe 10, 30, that, that would probably be better, but it is kind of nice to have your evenings off. But uh, listen, this was a great card. If, if you didn't, if you didn't uh, watch it, it, it certainly, I, I mean, I think it was a lot of fun. I think it's worth checking out. It should be, uh, I imagine, the ESPN Plus archives. That's a good thing. I haven't tried to go back and watch it. It has to be in there. It aired live. It's in there. I just know it's there. <laughs> uh, Alistair Overeem beat uh, Alexi Olenek in the main event. Now, before that, you know, we talked about going in. Alexi Olenek wasn't sure if it was gamesmanship or not, but he was saying they had trained together and he couldn't get anything on Alistair, and, and this was going to be a tough fight. And thought maybe there's some gamesmanship going on, but, man, when the fight came out, it kind of looked that way, right? I mean, Alexi didn't really try to grapple with him that much. I mean, came out and had some success on the feet, was throwing that overhand right. Um, it looked like he briefly had Alistair wobbled for a little bit, at least second-guessing on the back foot, um, and, and, you know, not really as concerned about getting the fight to the floor. And I, I think he had a lot of respect for Alistair's defensive wrestling, for his grappling skills. Um, and had some early success on the feet, but then Alistair got in the clinch, delivered the big knees. Um, in fact, the medical reports came out. It sounds like he may have uh, broken one of Olenek's ribs, so that's that's something that Alexi has to get looked at. But uh, Alistair over him with a, with a pretty impressive victory there. And listen, man, Alistair, uh, 38 years old, but he's still right there at the top. And, and I don't know that he's not right in line for a title contention, but we were we kind of did this thing this week. Uh, it's called Triple Take. It's a column that uh, that we've been doing on the MMA Junkie staff, where, where we have three different opinions. And I don't work a lot of Mondays, but since I, since uh, I, I was working this Monday, since I wasn't traveling, I got to chime in on it. It was basically weighing in on, you know, what is the legacy of Alistair Overeem, and man, you know, I don't think you can write it yet. I mean, he's certainly one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. I, I don't think you can argue that he's one of the greatest mixed martial arts heavyweights of all time. The longevity that he's had, the the, the championship belts that he has won. Um, the people that he's beaten, I, I think he's one of the greatest MMA heavyweights of all time. And I know it's crazy, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that he gets a UFC title shot one more time before it's over. I mean, he, his name value is there. That guy, you can put him in any fight, and, and he, of course he looks great on a poster, but the name recognition is there. And he's he's just below that top tier contenders right now. I mean, he had the setbacks. Um, and, of course, the, the guys he had the setbacks to are, are in contention. So it'll be hard for him to jump back over that. But, you know, listen, if Cormier shies away, if, you know, who knows, man. There's 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 opportunities out there. I'm not saying put your money on Alistair over in future champion. But what I am saying is that I don't know that we know that his legacy is entirely complete yet. And he, sh he should still have a few more big fights left in the tank. So 
big win there for Alistair Overeem. Islam Makachev picked up a win over Armin Saryukin. Uh, unanimous decision. Great fight here, man. Makachev, uh, an underrated dude. I mean, he, he doesn't speak English, and so maybe that's part of it. But, I mean, certainly the association with Habib Nurmagomedov, that's got to help him out in terms of marketability. But, uh, you know, it, listen, he's got a wrestling-based style, and I know that that doesn't always endear him to fans. And, of course, being involved uh, in, in, at all and having his name mentioned at all in the in the uh, Habib Nurmagomedov brawl, the UFC 229 brawl, that certainly doesn't help his case with the UFC brass. But I think we're I think we're past that now. I think we moved past that. They booked him. He fought. You know, maybe it was out of sight, out of mind, putting him over there in Russia. But listen, the guy is on a winning streak. He's got an impressive career record, and he says, um, "I want a ranked opponent," and he deserves it, man. He really does deserve a ranked opponent. He's he maybe not be as exciting as some of the other ones in there in terms of fan friendly style. You know, it's going to be that grappling base, and, he, and he's not going to be able to market it the same way. But um, listen, the, the guy deserves a ranked opponent. There's no question about it. And sorry, you can an absolute unknown opponent coming into this, but I thought fought tremendously. And uh, we actually launched a new piece of content um, that I think I'm going to be handling. <laughs> I think it'll be me doing it moving forward. Uh, it was kind of my idea, and, I, and so because of it, I guess I get to do it. And again, it, it kind of goes in line with what I was saying earlier about finding that next level of people to pay attention to. But, uh, you know, I, I threw out an idea as we were looking for kind of new types of content on Made Junkie. How about a rookie report? How about every UFC event we have a rookie report? You know, because everybody can't watch all the prelims. I get that, you know. So what if there's some newcomers on the undercard that you didn't get a chance to see and, and won't get a lot of headlines because, you know, their post-fight scrum won't get a, a lot of views or whatever. But, you know, maybe we can can keep an eye out for that for you. So from now on, I think it's going to be me. I plan on it being me unless it gets taken away from me. Uh, I'll be doing something every week called a, a rookie report and just basically grading the newcomers, giving the UFC debuting fighters uh, a report card grade. And actually, for so you can, uh, I gave him an A, even in a losing effort, man, to, to come in to face Makachev the way he did in Russia, no less, to go into the hostile territory and fight the way he did. Um, I thought it was tremendous. I, I think Saryukin is going to be uh, a difficult fight for anybody out there. So I gave him an A, man. I thought he fought great. So if you missed that piece of content, you want to check it out. Uh, it's e the title of it is UFC on ESPN Plus Seven Rookie Report: Grading the Newcomers. And I think that we'll just you know label it very simply like that moving forward. So you know this week in Florida it'll be UFC on ESPN Plus Eight Rookie Report: Grading the Newcomers. Uh, I believe there's three uh, newcomers, if, if I'm right. So that's another. And also, it ties in as well because, you know, Makachev, I said he wanted a, a ranked opponent. Um, I, I did another piece of of, uh, of content. I called it the call-out collection. You know, we, we get these collections of call-outs every week, and some of them come in in, the, in, the, in what we call the flash quotes, which is the quotes that guys give to the UFC PR team as they're, as they're basically as they're walking back to the locker room. Those get emailed out to journalists. Uh, sometimes it's in post-fight scrums. Sometimes it's in the cage. But you get these call-outs, right? I mean, and, and, and sometimes they go on deaf ears. Or, again, it's the lower-tier guys. But I figure, you know what? Let's just put all those little call-outs in one place. Let's put one little, who did everybody call out? And then let's weigh in. You know, is that is that uh, potentially going to happen moving forward? And what what's the reality of it happening? So if you want to check that out, if you missed that, UFC on ESPN Plus 7, call-out collection. So I'll, that's what we'll be calling that as well. So that'll be the UFC on ESPN Plus 8 call-out collection this week. So we'll just put all that in one place. Of course, the biggest ones, I'm sure the main event ones, will there'll probably already be separate stories out there for it, but at least we can have it all together so you can kind of keep up with who everybody wants next in one place. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting fight. I really did. I thought there was, uh, you know, two, two guys that uh, didn't really take a step back 
uh, in that fight with Makachev and Sergey uh, Sergey Pavlovich defeated uh, Marcelo Gom. Um, good performance by uh, Pavlovich, uh, uh, returning uh, after losing his UFC debut to Alistair Overeem, actually, uh, and defeating Marcelo Gom. The only real remarkable, I mean, it ended in 66 seconds, so that was pretty remarkable. The other remarkable thing, I screwed up on this one in my staff picks. I went 5-1 and one in staff picks. I would have gone 6-0. and oh, but I accidentally put down Marcelo Gohm instead of Sergey Pavlovich. I saw my the results, and I was like, that's wrong. And I went back and saw the email that I sent in to the staff, and uh, sure enough, I had just copied and pasted the wrong name like an absolute idiot. So I could have gone six. Oh, wait, there were five main cards. I could have gone five and oh. I went four and one. I could have gone five and oh. Frustrating. Damn it. Uh, Roxanne Motiferi picked up a... Big, big split decision win over Antonina Shevchenko. Of course, huge result for Roxanne Modafferi. I thought, I, listen, I thought she won the fight. I thought there was an argument for 30-27. Maybe I'm crazy. And again, I'll be the first to admit I'm biased. She teaches my kid jiu-jitsu. I'll throw that out there right now. Um, you know, I don't pretend to be friends with her. Or like, we don't go hang out outside of work. But when somebody coaches your kid, you're not, you're not going to, uh, you're going to be a little bit biased when you when you watch them fight. There's just no two ways about it. But I really did feel like uh, that she won the fight. And I even thought there was a possibility that she won all three rounds. It's funny because... Uh, I believe the two judges that she won the fight 29-28. If I remember the scorecard correctly, she uh, they gave Antonina round one. I actually gave Antonina round three. Um, I thought the knees that she did that, that she scored in there in round three and just kind of the striking that she did there um, were enough for her to take round three. Uh, Roxanne actually told me this week, you know, believe it or not, the knees didn't didn't bother me that much. But anyway, big win for Roxanne Motofari. I think Antonina Shevchenko, it's going to be a lesson for her. I mean, Cole Coffey and I talked about it. I mean, yes, it was a homer pick, but we saw a path to victory for Roxanne, no question about it, and she followed that path to a T. Um, I think it's going to be a lesson for Antonina Shevchenko. I think Antonina still has a lot of big wins left in her. So um, an excellent performance for there from Roxanne. And I'll just say it because I love it, man. I I put it on social media, but, uh, man, Roxanne, you know, about – listen, the fight was on Saturday, and I want to say by the time she fought it was around 10 a.m. Pacific time, if I remember right, 10, 10 Pacific time. Um, At 4 o'clock Pacific time on Monday, so we're talking – 52 hours after her fight, uh, she was in Las Vegas at Syndicate MMA teaching little kids jujitsu. Man, teaching the uh, the four to was it? Five, I think the one group. Yeah, five to seven year olds as the group that my kids in teaching five to seven year olds jujitsu. Man, 52 hours after she was literally starting her fight. Um, that's incredible, man. And, and and it's just and I know she's not the only one. It's just the one that I see face to face. But I I man the 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 quality of of people in the sport that are competing on that high level, but then will come back to give back to the community, man. I just, I can't say enough about it. And I thought that was huge. Um, and, I, and I put a picture of it on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, and it got a lot of love. So I thought that was cool. Uh, Christoph Jocko picked up a, a big uh, United decision win over Alan Amadoski. Uh, beautiful win for Jocko. You know, uh, I, I love the fact that he's open about, you know, having a mental coach. And and that's really what kind of got him over the hump after a couple losses. So a big win for, for Jocko. Uh Talking about those rookie reports, Mosar Yuvlaev, I think is the right way to say it. Yuvlaev, I was saying Evlaev, but it's Yuvlaev, uh, and Sungwoo Choi, uh, crazy uh, good fight, I thought. Uh, Yuvlaev, I, I, in my rookie report, I gave him a B, I think I would have given him a B plus. I would have given him A, man. I think this kid is somebody to watch out for. If you haven't seen this fight, featherweights, go watch both of them. I like both these guys. Sungwoo Choi uh, lost, but I, I thought... Um, I thought fought well. You know, he definitely has some holes to shore up in his grappling department, but he's got a long, lanky frame. He looked to strike. 
uh, it was great. The only reason I didn't give Yuzhuev uh, an A um, is that he had an illegal knee that cost him a point, and it was just it was just a silly one. It was one that he didn't even need. Uh, it, it was just the, the timing of it was silly, the execution of it was silly, um, and it seemed to come after he had been warned uh, by by the referee in Russian. Uh, not to you know, not to land a knee, and he drove it in anyway. So um, other than that, man, pretty much a flawless performance, and somebody I, I definitely uh, want to keep an eye on. Sultan Aliyev uh, picked up a unanimous decision win, and then over Kita Nakamura, two veterans of the sport there. And Sultan actually retired afterwards, um, and 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 it was funny because he wanted to get uh, the mic in the cage, uh, and they wouldn't give him the mic, and then so he ended up retiring, and it was literally just those flash quotes, like we said, like ah, I've had enough. I uh, can't do this anymore. You know, I, I got a job. I got other things to do. Um, and so that was kind of his, uh, I guess, unceremonious retirement. He wanted to announce it in the octagon, but production schedules were tight, and they they didn't give it to him. So I thought that was kind of a bummer that you figure out afterwards when you see the uh, when you see the uh, the flash quotes come back, you realize what he was trying to do. I mean, I thought it was comical at the time they tried to get the mic and he couldn't get it. And then afterwards you find out it's because he was trying to announce his retirement. You feel kind of bad about it. Uh, Alexander Yakovlev picked up a submission win uh, over Alex Da Silva. Uh, Yakovlev uh, at lightweight scares me a little bit. I'm not going to He's a big dude, man. And, uh, you know, I thought he was competitive at 170. I, I know he wasn't, you know, winning every time out. But I thought he was competitive there. 155, I mean, it just, just looked very, very, very thin to me. Uh, so hopefully that's an, an okay, a healthy cut for him. Shamil Abdurakimov uh, picked up a TKO win over Marcin Tabora. Shamil Abdurakimov is 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 on a roll now. He's four and one in his last five fights, with the only loss uh, being to uh, uh, Derek Lewis. Man, uh, he he deserves some big fights. He's saying, "I want ranked people." He's another guy that uh, again doesn't speak English. Is not necessarily the most uh, you know. He's just a big burly Russian dude is, is the easiest way to say it if you haven't seen him before. I mean, it's it's it does, he's he's not chiseled out of granite. Uh, he's not he's not coming out throwing tight jabs and, and slick boxing. He's just a big burly brute um, that you know I, I can see the UFC saying, well, "What do we do with this guy?" But man, when when people win, you got to do something with him. Uh, Mihail Alexeychuk, scary, scary, scary dude. Uh, this guy might have flown under your radar a little bit, and it would it would be understandably so. But um, a a scary guy uh, it came out a 44 second win over Gatsimura and Tigalov. And listen, he's got a history of quick wins. This is not his first one. So uh, f- flying under the radar a little bit, I imagine for a lot of people. Um, he uh, he said he wants to fight Ian Kutalaba from this weekend's fight. So not a bad little call out there. Not 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 a bad idea. Um, not a lot of people going to be calling out Ian Kutalaba, who's had some valiant, uh, valiant, some violent finishes as well. Um, so we'll see if he finishes Glover to share this week. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, and then pay attention as well to uh, Magomed Mustafias. He looked great. Uh, he had a phenomenal fight as well. Uh, he was out for a while with injuries, and, and now he's back and uh, you know had a quick win over Rafael Fiziev, which was. Uh, uh, a, a highly respected guy coming in as well. Um, and now he's saying he wants a rematch with Kevin Lee, the only guy to beat him in a long time. I don't know if that's going to happen, but hey, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a good ask. And it's nice to be, it's nice to be chasing somebody when somebody has got a little mission that they're on. It, uh, it makes it a little bit more enticing. All right, let's get to uh, Bellator 220 this week. Bellator 220 McDonald versus Fitch. It is out there at SAP center. Oh, man, I'm so glad I'm not in San Jose this week. I am not much of a hockey fan, I'll say that. I mean, I you know, the Stars came to town when I was in Dallas, 
and of course uh, the Vegas Golden Knights here in Vegas. Uh, so I, I don't know how much you guys watch hockey, but that game seven was heartbreaking, man. I'm so glad I'm not in San Jose. I'd, I'd, uh, again, it's not like I, I love the Golden Knights. I'm going to pretend like I'm some big Golden Knights fan, but I've been in Vegas for 11 years now. I'm trying to have some civic pride in my team. And, uh, oh man, the ending to that game seven was brutal. So I'm so happy I'm not there right now. Uh, but the cold coffee is out there. And it's a big card for Bellator. Um, Rory McDonald and John Fitch, welterweight Grand Prix quarterfinal matchup, but a welterweight title fight as well. Remember, this is that Grand Prix year long. The winner gets a million dollars from 50 Cent. Um, but the belt is on the line every single fight all the way through it, which I think is a, is a cool concept, man. Rory doesn't get to put his belt on the side or he doesn't get to hang out uh, and wait for the winner. He's got to put his belt on the line against John Fitch, the veteran. Uh, and to do it in San Jose, man, I, I think is pretty cool. So a big, big fight there in the main event. A great breakdown from Dan Tom on on the fight um, on MMA Junkie that I encourage you to check out. And it's so true, you know, because these guys, um, I mean, both well-rounded guys in, in, in different levels. I mean, John Fitch, strong, strong wrestling at his core. I mean, that's what it's going to be about. It, it's going to be about him dictating uh, that wrestling. But, you know, he's, he's got some decent striking as well. Meanwhile, Roy, it's that it's – that, great striking you know he'll want to establish that jab if he can but it's not like he's uh you know lost on the ground so um you know i I lean roy mcdonald in this fight i do john fitch you know listen the the man's getting up there i don't mean that as an insult because i'm (laughs) i'm the same damn age i think (laughs) i think i'm like three weeks uh three weeks younger than john fitch so i'm right there with him at 41 years old but uh man I, i think rory I, don't, I, I do think it's possible. I think this is. I don't think this is a blowout, man. I, I do think that Rory is beatable at this point um, by John Fitch, but I, I, I think it's going to be too tall for him. I'm going towards Rory McDonald. Alima Lay McFarland versus Vader Ardiega. Uh, listen, Alima Lay, a budding star. Of course, last time out in Hawaii, I mean, amazing scene there. It really was. Um, she is a fantastic fighter. Um, not flawless. Not flawless. You know, listen, I, I do see some opportunities to beat her, but on the ground. Man, she is as tough as they come. Uh, Artiega, a uh, lot of respect for her as well. You know, the, the, the submission win last time out against Denise Kielholtz, I was there for that. Um, she is tough as nails, and, and she is not going to be intimidated by the moment or intimidated by Alima Lee, that's for sure. Uh, so it could be a good fight, but I, I, I like Alima Lee. I, I, you know, I just I do think she's a budding, spot, a budding star. She's uh, the personality that she brings, the skills that she brings. She's, she's fun to talk to, man. She is great. And, of course, a roadshow favorite. If you ever want to sit back and listen to the show that she came on, we did a we did a show one time at Ballast Point out there in Southern California. We had a we had a pint or two. She she uh, little flyweight drank me under the table, so <laughs> she's all right. Uh, Benson Henderson versus Adam Picolati, Phil Davis versus Liam McGeary, Gaston Bolanos versus Nathan Stolen. Uh, all big matchups there for different reasons. Gaston Bolanos, if you haven't paid attention to him, uh, you definitely want to keep your eye on him. He is uh, I, I think he is kind of the wave of the future. They've been kind of slow rolling him to to uh, to where he's at now, but he's finally on a main card here. Of course, a rematch with Davis and McGeary, and then Benson Henderson versus Picolotti, which brings me to uh, Cold Coffee, who was in San Jose. And in my understanding, I believe Stephen Morocco made a trip out to AKA, uh, and he did that on his own. So while he was doing a trip to AKA, Cold Coffee sat down with Benson Henderson. And uh, listen, you know, Cole Coffee used to be uh, just a videographer when, when we met. That's all he just, you know, stood behind a camera and shot some stuff and did some editing. And now, listen to this, man. He is a, a full-fledged interviewer, 
podcast co-host, and he sat down with the former UFC lightweight champion, Benson Henderson. All right, Benson, uh, you've been doing this for a long time, since uh, 2006, and if I'm, if I'm correct, this is going to be your 34th pro fight. Really? Yeah, a 34th. Can you believe it? I'm that sure it's like had its, its ups and downs, but you're on a two-fight win streak. You know, things are going good. What is the key to this resurgence that has came from you lately? Uh, just stay on the grind. Uh, just stay put in the work. Uh, the differences between winning and losing or winning and losing is tiny, tiny. And you have to know as an athlete, uh, hate to sound like an NFL coach, but you know, just keep putting the work, do the right things. You're gonna win some, you're gonna lose some. Hopefully things keep going your way. You gotta trust the process, you gotta stay, you know, stay positive, all all that stuff, man. It's it's all true. You do have to just stay positive, keep putting the work in. And sometimes you're gonna take a couple losses in a row, sometimes you'll win six, seven, eight in a row. So uh, just keep doing the right things and know that in your heart the good good things will come from it. I know we always hear fighters, they always say it comes down, I mean, there's obviously the physical side, but it's the mental side. Do you feel as you've gotten more experience and, and over the years that your mental side of your game has improved and is that part of why the success as well, just the strength of the mind? I think overall in general, the mental aspect of it, of, of competition, not just uh, fighting, not just MMA, but the mental aspect of competition is huge. It's definitely like 85% of, of, the, of the whole sport is just in your own head, the, the being mentally strong. I do feel like I am one of the mentally strongest people on the planet. I, I've always had a very um, uh, high work ethic, a very high, strong uh, self-belief, been very you know strong mentally, knowing in the mental strength that I have, the, the self-positive attitude that I have, all comes from how hard I work. I know how hard I work. I know how much time and effort I put into this. I know I, I put my heart and soul into this. I know I give everything. Uh, so that's where my uh, the uh, mental uh, fortitude comes from. And uh, I think definitely uh, as you continue on in your career, it just hopefully just keeps growing in, in the right, on the right path and doesn't splinter off and go somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I've done a pretty good, good job of that my entire career and this is just a continuation of the rest of my career. And lately it's, you know, it's been that you've been fighting about two fights a year, at least recently in the schedule wise. Is that, now is that because of health issues i mean have you been 100 percent, or is it just not getting the right matchups i mean are you hoping to fight more times a year yeah. like in the in the words of uh, what was it the the lady from the old lady from princess bride boo, boo, boo. no uh definitely i don't like fighting two times a year i think i can fight four times a year i guess the the number that i like to shoot for uh hopefully you stay healthy stay injury free yada yada and for the most part i do stay uh injury free from uh, post fights I'm never too banged up never too bruised i could all, all fight again maybe the next month or two months later uh, but just the way bellator has worked out it's been about two times a year i did have an acl surgery so that put me out for a while i had a retinal thing uh so that put me out for a little while so there definitely are some injuries on my part that i had to take care of had to uh, do my due diligence to rehab and take care of and come back stronger and better from and i did that uh but i would definitely like to be a lot busier than two times a year that's that's not enough at all. I think the, the lag in between fights is not good for, for fighters, for, for writers, if you're, if you're a journalist, if you're a, if you're a driver for NASCAR, the, the more time you have doing your, doing your sport, the, the better it is you get, you know, like 
if you don't if you don't write a, a piece, if you don't write an article for six months, and then you, you write you write something again, you're gonna be a little more rustier than you sure. were if you if you continue writing. Maybe not write every single day because then you run out of ideas and you you run out of topics and this and that. But you have to stay busier than that just to keep you fresh. And so I, I definitely feel we're fighting for that. Uh, for me, having something scheduled helps keep me motivated, helps keep me in the gym. I, I'm in the gym every day, anyways. But sometimes you're in the gym and you're just you're not. You're not working to get better. You're just going through the motion. You're staying healthy, working on this or working on that, but just small little things, you know, which is still good, definitely good, but not the same as when you're getting ready for fighting, preparing, and knowing that you're going to have a battle coming up, and making sure you're as well prepared as you possibly can be. And I know you kind of touched on the the health issues you've done in the past. I know every fighter going in there saying, "I'm 100%. This is the best I'm feeling." But honestly, how how are you feeling body wise? How's the knee? How's the ACL? How's how's the eyes? I mean, how, how would you rate yourself? Are you 100%? Oh, I, I like uh, body wise, I'm 100% good to go. I hate to sound like everybody else. I do have a couple of blisters in my feet. And they kind of suck. But other than that, though, uh, good to go, man. And speaking of uh, fighting again, you recently, or as of late last year, I believe, you renewed your contract. So uh, how much longer can we expect to see with Bellator? I mean, there are a certain amount of fights, there are a certain amount of years. Can you uh, any details on what the contract was? The, the contract was an, another six-year deal, uh, six, or six-fight deal, six years. Six-fight deal. Uh, I think it was a two-year six-fight deal, so I should have the six fights done within two years. So that's three fights a year I would love to I'd love to keep that pace up even if I can't do it four four in a year I'd love to have three a year um, but for right now it's this six and that's all I'm looking at right now well, when, and I know you, you, you like you said it's all you're looking at right now but I know you're a guy you're a cerebral guy you got the gym and things going on and we'll talk a little bit about that later is there a have you set an end date? I mean, how long do you actively want to keep fighting? Is it still fun? Uh, it's definitely still fun I, I love to compete I love the Fighting itself, getting down the weight—that's the not fun part. That's the sucky <laughs> part. And then the older I get, like, I can actually train better. I'm smarter. I know how to train more. I'm more aware. I have more experience. I know how to uh, fine tune. I know how to focus my training. Not train for three hours doing BS, but how to train for 45 minutes hard and get the work done that I want to get done. Get out of there, go home, and take care of my babies. Uh, so that's great. But the older I get. The worst and worst uh, self-control I have with food. I just can't stop eating. So that's the hard part. It's, it's what, what, it sucks what, what so bad. What are you eating? What, what, what gets you? That's uh, the hardest part. Oreos. Damn you, Oreos. You guys got me. The chocolate Oreos, the peanut butter Oreos. I had a whole bag of chocolate Oreos two weeks ago. Uh, late, late one night. I was downstairs. I was, took one, opened, opened one up. and ate one. Walked around. Walked back. I ate another two. Walked around. Next thing you know, I looked back and the whole bag's gone. I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna go burn these calories off now. So then I go hop on my bicycle and, and burn the calories off. But I have less self-control with with food now that I'm older. Well, speaking of as getting older, I mean, does that mean when it comes to harder when you don't want to do the cuts, is there a possible shift in weight class at some point, or is it lightweight's where it's going to be, uh, and that's where you plan on ending your career at? No, I, I think I'll definitely end a career at uh, 55. That's the plan. I need to get the belt around my waist before it's said and done. I need to have the belt around my waist. Um, but I'm definitely interested in going 170 again. Bellator hit me up and asked me for to take a fight at 170 uh, before this fight, and uh, my team said no. I was like, "Come on, guys! 
I'm still uh, I'm still a very uh, coachable. Uh, listen to my coaches. And I listen to their input. I listen to my team, and all my coaches, all my team said, no, let's not do 70 right now. Let's just focus on 125 and getting that belt around your waist. And then after that, and then we can go up to 70. Yada yada yada. So I listened to my team on that one. I was, I was a little bit sad. I was like, oh, all right. I think I can beat this guy up. But okay, if you guys say so, uh, ultimately I'll let you guys make the decision. So my team said no to that one. Uh, but it's definitely something I'm, I'm, I'm into, I'm, I'm up for. The making 170 is a lot easier than making 55 too, so that'd be nice. Oreos aren't as much of an issue. Yes, at yes, I can right? keep eating the Oreos, no problem. <laughs> so we've seen Bellator go and they've, they've done these tournaments in the different weight classes. Is a lightweight tournament something that you're hoping that Bellator comes out with? And is that something you'd be interested in? I'd be interested in it if 50 is going to throw up a, how much did he give the, the Like a million or something? Yeah. Was it a million? Or yeah, something? whatever it was, if 50, something hey, like that. If you, if, you, if you want to, man, go ahead and throw up a little extra on the 155-pound uh, Bellator Grand Prix. I'll, I'll be in there, and I'll do something funky for you. I'll, I'll walk out to one of your songs. How about that? How can he say no to that? Yeah. How can he say no to that? Speaking of other possible rematches, and we got Chicago in a couple of weeks. We got Chandler and Pitbull fighting. Oh, when did they fight? Uh, it's, uh, I think, two weeks. Two weeks now they fight? Something like, something like two oh. weeks, I think. Now, is that winner, is that somebody that's on your radar as for a fight you'd like to get back or, you know, just as for moving forward, is a, is a fight with a winner of that moving in the right trajectory? I, I want the belt around my waist, so whoever gets me the belt around my waist, that's, that's all I care about. Whether it's Chandler, I do want to see him again, I do want to get my hands on him again. I felt that I had him uh, uh, in our last fight, judges saw it the other way, a lot of other people saw it. Whatever it is, what it is. So um, I do want to get my hands on Chandler again, uh, but if he didn't have the belt around his waist, I don't really care about him that much. Uh, so for me, whoever has the belt around the waist, I want to head in that direction. I want to head in that path. I want to. I need. I will. I will have the belt or 155-pound belt around my waist. Well, let's jump to this fight here. Uh, your opponent has got 11 and two record. I think this was the guy that uh, was supposed to be the next big thing coming out of AKA. You know, he, he had said some things like, called you a point fighter, I believe, in one oh, interview. Really? I think he, oh. he did it in you somewhere when he that. called you a point fighter. It seems that this fight, when you look at it on paper, he almost has everything to benefit by beating a name like yourself. What's in it for you? Is this is a fight that pushes you still in that trajectory of getting towards a title fight? What does this fight mean for you? Uh, for me, there are no extra incentives to winning. Winning itself is the ultimate end, end goal, end game right there. I, I, I want to win. End game comes out uh, tomorrow night. That looks uh, dope, though. Yeah, it does, right? <laughs> um, but uh, that's the Avengers, Avengers. for you guys. For people that don't know that, you should know this. They should know. They should know this. But um, uh, Piglodi, yeah, he was the next big thing coming to AKA, 9-0, undefeated, you know, supposed to be the next big top prospect and this and that, yada, yada. He took a, co a couple of bad L's in a row, lost to Gyotu, and then he lost to another guy. Uh, but he, he did what you're supposed to do, he bounced back from that. He came back and uh, he won two in a row since then, so I do know he has uh, the fortitude to come back from, you know, losing two in a row. He came back and looked good in each of those fights that he won since then. Uh, he's looked pretty good. Uh, so I, I do expect him to, to bring it a little bit. Uh, get, back to, get back to his uh, top prospect uh, up-and-coming ways or whatever. As far as uh, where beating him puts me, I'll let Mike Kogan, I'll let the Bellator uh, VPs decide that and, and decide whatever, this and that. All I know is I need to do whatever it takes to make sure that 
is the next step. If I have to beat him emphatically, I'll beat him emphatically. If I have to finish him, I'll finish him, I'll put him away. Uh, but whatever it is that leads me towards getting, fighting for that belt, that's, that's what I want. When these prospects are coming up, and maybe a guy that hasn't been around as long, are you still going back? Are, are you the kind that goes back and watches tape on these guys? Or are you the kind of guy that just, I'm going to focus on me. I know what I need to work on myself going in this fight. How do you approach a fight like this coming in? Uh, like for me, all my fights for the past, you know, 10 years, 12 years, uh, I have, I, I watch all my opponents' fights just one time through. Uh, so I did go back and I watched all of uh, Adam's fights one time through. That's my coaches, uh, John Crouch, Eddie Cha, those guys who really watched the film on him and, and obsessed and watched this film and then watched this film and watched this film and break it down. Oh, watch, you know, the minute 20 in against the Brandon Gertz fight, he does this. Or watch, you know, this fight, he does this. So you got to be aware of this. So I let them be really uh, obsessed about it and come up with some game plans and do this and do that. Otherwise, after I watch it one time through, I get a feel for how he moves and how how much better he gets and that sort of stuff. Um, I'm I'm good. I'm good after that. I just watched him one time. Well, I know you, you you allude to your team watches a lot of fights. You yourself though have been doing a lot of cornering, a lot of coaching stuff. Yeah. Now you've been doing that while still fighting. Yes. I know you've been taking more of an active role. I believe you're are you a partner at at, at the MMA lab, or you have an ownership stake, or at least I know you're more you're more involved there. Yeah. How does that relationship work with you still trying to actively fight? I mean, you're, you're, you're cornering these guys. I know you, you want to spread the knowledge. You want to bring up these other fighters. How does that work with you actively trying to portray a big role in cornering guys, but still trying to fight? Yeah. And is there a point where that transition will start to switch where you're, maybe cornering is going to take a, a larger percentage of your time than, than actively fighting? I think at, the, at, the, at my gym, the Emory Lab, we have a, a great um, niche, a great feel for the fighters the older fighters helping the younger fighters come up. We actually care about each other. We actually like each other. Uh, so like the younger guys, like some of the older guys will not take them under their wing, but will help them out. Like, hey, you need to work on this. Oh, hey, you need to do this. Oh, hey, try and do this. Uh, so I'm not doing anything that any of the older fighters at the gym don't do the, themselves. So it's not like I'm doing anything special. It's not like I'm doing anything extra. It's something that all of the fighters uh, at the MMA lab we, we do for each other. Jerry Cannonier takes aside some of the some of the uh, younger fighters. Hey, you need to watch out for this. Oh, you can do this. Oh, I was a smaller fighter at heavyweight. So when I was you know when I was a smaller fighter, I had to do this. So maybe that, that'd be good for you. you. How about you try this? Uh, so I think we all do that at the lab. And so that's uh, definitely sets us apart. We're not just guys who come from all around the world and, and go there and beat each other up and then go home. Like we're actually a, a team that cares about each other, that love each other, and that's what makes a difference to me. Do you almost take more enjoyment out of seeing the su success in somebody that you've helped train as opposed to maybe, I'm sure you want to win the belt, you want to get your own accolades, but is it almost as special to, to watch somebody else get the success? I, I would say for sure even more so. I think even more pride in having Bobby Moffitt and get to the UFC and get a, get a finish, get, a, get ending, uh, you know, ending the guy in the UFC. I love that. I, uh, it makes, it means the world to me. That's it's awesome, you know. I love being able to help guys like Brian Bam Bam Barberina live his dream, have a great UFC career, save up money and go buy 30 acres in Tennessee. Awesome, man. That's great. Go do that, man. That's awesome. I love help, letting the guy, helping the guys live their dreams. You know, they're they helping me live my dream. All right, right now, I'm, I'm doing what I, what I can to live my dreams. I had older guys, Alvin Robinson, uh, Charlie, Charlie Hollywood Brown, uh, Chris Gritzmacher, all, all my teammates who helped me uh, do what I'm, you know, you know, do what I'm good at, uh, have the sort of success that I want. I want to help return the favor, you know, uh, to all, all my guys, you know, the youngsters, 
you know, Mario Bautista, uh, Sean O'Malley, those guys were 19, 18, 19, and 20 when they came to the gym. And then, you know, fast forward three, four years, now Look they're both, now. both in the UFC, both, you know, Mario has his little baby girl. I love watching them grow, watching them, you know, just go through the life process and, and being happy and doing something that they love and, and me being a small part of their story. And you touched on the guys now that are making their way to the UFC. I believe there's some other uh, MMA lab guys here with Bellator as well. Is there a hope, and especially you got guys like Bader that have Arizona ties. Are you hoping that we can, uh, Bellator maybe makes a trip back to Phoenix sometime soon? Because I don't think they've been there since it's been with Coker. Yeah, not not since with uh, with Coker, but I would love that. Like, can I come on down to Phoenix? We can have a, I would love to get an MMA lab versus the world card. Put, put it, 12 of my guys on a card, get 12 of the best guys in the world that you want, and then let's, let's set that up, you know? But uh, for sure, I think it'd be great. I think Phoenix is a great market. All the Phoenix fans are, are hardcore. They're the, they're the reasons why, uh, you know, UFC doesn't go to Phoenix as, as often is because they travel so well going to California and going to Vegas. They spend so much money, they'll, they'll, they'll drive over to Vegas, they'll drive over to California. So they're like, oh, well, why do we go to Phoenix? When we, we look at the numbers and the, you know, the, the zip codes of where everyone buys their, their, their cars from, and they're all coming from Phoenix, going to Vegas, going to California. So we'll just do that, do that there and, and keep that, that base. I'm like, ah, well, just come to Phoenix next time. Just come, just come to Phoenix. We'll <laughs> definitely sell out. I'll definitely make you guys a ton of money, and uh, we have a, a ton of fires that we can put on the card there for you. You hear that, Scott? Yeah. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> so, uh, is there, and I know you kind of touched on it earlier, you know, the belt was the goal. Is there still a to-do list for yourself? I mean, you've had wonderful accolades in fighting. Is there still a list that of what you still want to accomplish, or is it get the belt? I mean, do you want to get the belt? Do you want to defend for years? Do you want to be the oldest active fighter that's going i mean is there still a to-do list that you have set for yourself i, I definitely have a, uh, a a pretty good list of long-term goals uh, you know short-term goals which lead to the long-term goals and my long-term goals outside of fighting i have a long list to accomplish there uh, my long-term goals for infighting because of the way things work out you know the list changes oh i want this but this that's not gonna work out so now i change this i change this so i definitely for sure have a, a long list of uh goals I still want to accomplish, still want to do. Like, oh, I think it'd be really cool to do this. I think it'd be really cool to do this. I want to work my butt off to make sure that I'm the first one to do, ever do this, yada, yada, yada. So for sure, I have a, a pretty good list still of, of things that I, that I want to do. Just a couple more, and I thank you for your time. Uh, your wife, I know that she's competed in grappling tournaments. Yep. Is there talk or have you, has she thought about trying to fight in MMA? Is that something that you guys are trying to work in? Is maybe a Bellator couple gonna happen at some point? Uh, definitely, my wife has been uh, training now for, for a little while. Uh, she has baby number three, three. We have baby number three on the way uh, in uh, about a week or so. So. Oh wow! Well, congratulations. Really, yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Definitely hoping she doesn't pop when, when I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. Like, just keep baby in there now for another five <laughs> more days till I get home. Um, but yeah, she, she'll she'll be making her foray into MMA um, pretty soon. Like after we she, she has baby, you know, give it a little while to recover and this and that, and make sure she's tra training again, feeling good, and then yeah, she'll be getting into MMA herself. How stressed out will it be to watch one of those fights? Uh, I think pretty dang stressful. <laughs> I, won't, I won't lie to you on that one. I think, I think it'll be pretty hard. Uh, but I, I think she, she's a great competitor. She loves, she's a couple time world champion. I think brown belt for her belt. Placed uh, third place at Worlds. Uh, 
One world is a purple, one place is a brown belt. So she's, she's a high level competitor, so she knows what it's all about. Uh, and she has been training, like we were smart about it. She's been training, getting ready, doing the team practice for kickboxing, stand-up practices, and, and team wrestling practices for uh, a good, good two years now, three years, with the breaks of the babies in between. So she's been training for a little while. And when we do unleash her on the, the women's division, watch out for her. She's feisty. <laughs> I love it. There's a, there's a lot of great things going in the future, and I know the path towards the belt starts this weekend. So when you play it out in your head, how do you see yourself getting the win on this Saturday? Um, I don't really, I'm not very good at how I'm going to win. I know, I know I'll say I'm going to get my hand raised, but against this Adam kid, I think I'm going to knock him out. Uh, I've been working a lot, spending a lot of hours working on my stand-up, working on my, my kickboxing, uh, well, my wrestling and my jiu-jitsu also, you know, but I really wanted to be able to showcase that. I really want to show the world, hey, I've been working on this. Hey, check this out. Hey, look what I can do. I've been putting hours and hours and hours in my boxing, my kickboxing. Watch this. Look what I can do. This is something special. So I'm, I'm really seeing myself uh, being able to let loose with my uh, stand-up in, in this fight. Cold Coffee and Vincent Henderson. Look at Cold Coffee getting down in the interview. Listen, I enjoyed this conversation. I really did. Uh, how about that family update at the end? Wife is expecting baby number three for the family, but she's going to fight in MMA at some point. I dig that. I, I should say Cold Coffee was very, very, and I know this because I saw some some chatter on our our, uh, our our Slack network between the MMA junkie crew, but he was very upset. This will actually be Vincent Henderson's 35th fight not his 34th fight. So uh, he was very frustrated that he led the the, uh, the interview with that. But listen, love uh, talking to Benson Henderson, man. I think, you know, early in his career, he's a little bit almost like standoffish with media. I, I don't I don't know if he thought we weren't telling a story right or, or what it was, but I felt like he didn't enjoy talking to us. He was concerned that we were going to do him wrong, but I think he's, he's gotten older. You know, he's understood that we're, we're, not, we're not here to – to just play gotcha or whatever. Um, but, man, I, I love him talking about how, how this game is 85% mental, man. It's so much in your own head, and, and I I so buy into that. And um, I don't know. Is it, you know, I, I've had some people on social media kind of poke fun at me, uh, you know, hey, we know John's going to ask, how do you feel? What do you think? What? But you know what? I mean, that's that to me means a lot. I mean, this game is so mental, and, and hearing with people how they deal with stuff and how they prep themselves and how they, you know, the, the, I mean, think about the injuries that Benson had to get through, and, and I think a lot of people were saying, uh, "Oh, you know, he's done. He's it's over. He, you know, listen, this guy's washed up. Uh, you know, and now he's kind of battling back and having to get through that stuff." And um, I don't, I don't know. I just I enjoy hearing that side of it, man. And then, uh, uh, of course, the dorkiness of both Cold Coffee and Benson Henderson did come out with their Avengers talk right there in the middle of it, <laughs> right there in the middle of an MMA interview. They're talking about the Avengers, bunch of dorks no i know i'm probably pissing more people off than i'm than, than understand me I, I i haven't seen the marvel movies it's not my thing but i i know they love it man uh but I did, shout out as well to uh eddie cha man you know i always talk about how much i love john crouch in the may lab and i really really do i think he's a phenomenal coach um but eddie cha man probably doesn't get enough credit for for his role there as well not only in you know the the actual coaching on a day-to-day -day, but you know in being one of the guys that's on the road and helping the fighters through fight week and, and you know yes the cornering and all that but there's a lot more that goes with it again that mental aspect keeping everybody's head right uh the days out and 
I just say I like that idea. I don't know if you could do just MMA Lab versus the world in Arizona, but I do like the idea of a Bellator show in Arizona. Uh, you know, maybe you get the the rest of those Arizona crew as well. Uh, you know, again, you know, you got that Bader camp out there. Maybe you get some of them. I, I think it could be cool. You know, Arizona versus the world at least. Maybe, maybe they could do a whole MMA Lab versus the world. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Listen, that, that, that Bellator card, the prelims, we're going to have the prelims on MMA Junkie. Um, they had a couple uh, moves. I think Bolanos was originally supposed to be on um, on on the prelims, and he got bu- uh, bumped up because I think they had some losses. Um, you also had Mandel Nalo, who's somebody that people are really uh, high on. I'm actually high on him too, man. I think he's got some talent. They were originally on the prelims. Unfortunately, the way this thing shook out, it's, it's a pretty main card-centric uh, fight card, um, you know, a lot of local ticket sellers, and that's cool, but uh, as far as really, really, like, fights that you need to dig into on the prelims, you know, I, th- I think it, on a night that they're going head-to-head with the UFC, I think that's okay, it'll give us a, a little bit less to watch, but the main card, uh, definitely worth your time. This before we get in the, uh, into the UFC, I did want to talk about um, something else I did over the weekend since the last time we talked, Final Fight Championship. Uh, first time I've ever gone out there uh, to a Final Fight Championship event. It's in Las Vegas. It's a local show, and I just want to bring it up because now that I've seen it, and and now that I've been there, man, I'm I'm, I'm I fully believe these people are going to do something. And, and talking to some of their staff while I was there, uh, didn't go work it. Just went just went and hung out. And um, man, they do it at this place called the Fight Dome, which is at the Rio uh, here in Las Vegas. It's it's a kind of a small venue. It's really just akin to more of like a, a TV set. Um, you know, the, yes, there's enough room for a couple hundred fans, but um, you know, it's it's more just to to have a a, a venue that you know has a feel to it. You know, it's not a, a complete you know dark recording studio, um, but you also don't have to worry about selling 5,000 tickets or something like that. You know, they were sold out. In fact, uh, we ran into some my, or my wife ran into some friends of hers that were trying to get tickets. Um, that were standing outside and they're like, yeah, man, they're sold out. We can't get tickets. So, um, they were sold out. Uh, they they do mixed rules pro events. They do boxing, they do kickboxing, and they do mixed martial arts, and they do it all in a ring. Um, their television contract right now is with CBS Sports Network, and it's on tape delay. But um, you know, it sounds like they're they're working on some opportunities to to try to do some live stuff. They really want to go live, uh, which of course I think would help the product. You know, tape delayed MMA is I get it, man. Everybody wants to see live, um, but they got something going on, man. And uh, it, it, you know. Las Vegas, of course, such a phenomenal fight scene, right? I mean, all these great camps here. Uh, tough enough. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of them as an amateur organization. Uh, but, you know, you don't have that, that, that jump. How do you get from tough enough to the UFC? You know, there's so now you got to leave town to go do that. And I'm not saying that the final fight, they don't want to just be a developmental league. I mean, they, they, they're trying to bring in big names as well. They, this is not supposed to be just... 2-0 versus 1-0. No, 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 no. They, they, they want to bring in big names. But for the undercard fights and for those sort of things, we need an organization like that here in Las Vegas to help these 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 guys kind of develop their career. Case in point, um, and one of the things I was really excited about to be there, Max Rushoff, uh, who is a former NC State wrestler, I believe. He works at Extreme Couture, uh, and, and he works at Drysdale Jiu-Jitsu as well, man. The guy is, uh, you know, I've, seen, I've, I've said his name before, man. I see him in there working hard. Um, and he fought and got a win there. Sherrod Blackledge, who, uh, man, has fought three times already this year. He's 3-0 as a pro. His last fight was on Fight Pass on Island Fights. Uh, and then this next one will be on tape delay, but it will be on CBS Sports. Um, this kid's got talent as well. And these two local guys were uh, were on the prelims, you know, and they picked up wins. They're guys that I've seen in the gym. 
uh, and I've seen put in the work. And then, you know, here's an opportunity from that to actually get work close to home. So really, really cool. But uh, this organization, they're, they're looking to do, um, you know, events like every other week here in Las Vegas. Um, they're actually going to have one the week of International Fight Week. So I know some of uh, our international media will be in town. I'll definitely try to get them to swing by there and check out this place because I think it's a, a cool spot, man. I, th- I think it's going to be a, um, an organization to pay attention to. Uh, again, I, I spoke to them, and, and I know some of the people behind the scenes as well. I'd, I'd met them before, but um, just wanted to give them a shout-out. I think we'll be hearing some 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 big things to them. And I actually talked to them too about um, you know maybe – Hosting some highlights on the site or something like that, um, you know, so you guys can see some of that action. So uh, we'll see what happens. All right, UFC on ESPN three. Oh, see, I screwed it up. UFC on ESPN plus eight. Uh, it originally was UFC on ESPN three. Uh, is taking place down in uh, Florida this week. Uh, Jacare versus Hermanson. Uh, funny note about this. All right, the hashtag for this event is UFC Fort Lauderdale. Right. Uh, since it's and, and I really just think this is funny because the the shifting of the network has caused like some naming changes. But check this out. So Matt Erickson is down there, uh, and and again the hashtag is USC Fort Lauderdale. He sends us this note as a staff. Guys, please note dateline for our one on ones on Wednesday and our media day on Thursday uh, will be Plantation, Florida. Dateline for ceremonial weigh-ins and fight night content will be Sunrise. So that's right. The host hotel is in Plantation, Florida. The fight is in Sunrise, Florida, but the hashtag for the event and the uh, city name is UFC Fort Lauderdale. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Uh, but there you go. There you have it. I, I, maybe, I don't know. Maybe Fort Lauderdale. Maybe the city of Fort Lauderdale gave the UFC some advertising money or some promotional considerations or something. But I thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Jacare Souza versus Jack Hermanson in the main event. I like this main event, man. And I, I know, it, well, let's see. I like, I like, I don't like it as much as I would have liked it if it was Yoel Romero versus Paulo Bohashinha, but I like the main event, I, and I think it's a tricky one. Uh, Jacare, of course, the name that you're going to know, the name that, that you're going to instantly favor, but Hermanson, man, I've, I've been a fan of him since I saw him in Venator, uh, athletic, you know, uh, confident, rangy, can strike, can can you know, has grappling as well. Um, and Jacare is kind of this weird spot where I, I don't think this is really the fight he wanted. I don't think that was a name that was on there. Uh, I don't want to say he was forced to take the fight, but I think he was kind of, you know, hey, we're in a bad spot. Can can you take this? And, and hey, we'll give you a title shot if you win. Which is all, I mean, it's good to hear, but, you know, is your head definitely in the right spot? Is, is everything uh, clicking the way you need it to be at that time? I don't know, man. I, I think this is dangerous. I went with Hermanson here uh, as the underdog pick. I, I, you know, I know that may sound crazy, but I didn't. I could be proven wrong because Jacare is a beast, man. He is a, a gifted, phenomenal athlete. He could make me look silly, but uh, that's what I picked. We'll we'll see what happens. But I, I like that main event. The co-main event, of course, is the one with controversy: Greg Hardy versus Dmitry Smolikov. Greg Hardy, of course, fighting for the first time since that disqualification in his UFC debut, and he's right back in the co-main event slot. Now, again. I don't want to say we made excuses for it the first time around, but right, we talked about how the fact that Greg Hardy was on ESPN Plus because they're they're trying to drive subscription to ESPN Plus, and that's still the deal here, right? Here's what's funny: is everybody's pissed off that he's in the co-main event. But let me ask you something: the prelims are on ESPN, and the early prelims are on ESPN too. So there is a real case to make that more people are going to see the preliminary card. 
then we'll see the main card. I don't know what the numbers are right now. I don't I don't know what kind of numbers they're getting on ESPN Plus. And we've heard about the subscription ads, but not all of them can be MMA fans. Some of those people are watching other stuff. So it is funny to me this outrage that my God, Greg Hardy is in the co-main event. Would it have been better for him to be the featured prelim on ESPN? Because I don't know that that's the case. If you if you're this one that says you need to stay away from the controversy, we can't be promoting Greg Hardy at all. Which I mean, look, if he's on your roster, you got to use him the best way possible. So at that point, I don't even know what the argument is. You're going to use him the best way possible, and people are going to want to tune in. Um, but I don't know. It's funny. So he's in the co-main event, but do consider once again the main card is on the streaming service. Prelims are on ESPN and ESPN two. So is it as bad? Is it is this terrible? I don't know. But listen, I did want to bring you the audio from Greg Hardy because I know he's a controversial figure, but I do think he is an incredible, I don't want to say test study as well, but he is an, he's in a crazy spot, man. I, again, I, I I focus so much on, on the, the mentality of the sport and kind of who these guys and gals are, what they go through. And, and this dude, man, he didn't – look, he didn't ask to be in the co-main event the first time. He didn't ask to be in the co-main event the second time. He's not He's not telling the world. It's, in some ways, it's kind of like CM Punk, you know, and when CM Punk said, I'm just honored to get this opportunity. He never said, I'm going to be the greatest in the world. They just better give me my opportunity and stand back. And that's not happening here either. But yet here he is, expectations, spotlight, you know, big attention. And, of course, he's used to it. He says, listen, NFL, I got it. And, and of course, you know, with his, with his domestic violence allegations and all that, man, he's used to the headlines. Um I get it, man. I, I, I won't try to defend it. If, if somebody tells me they don't like Greg Hardy and they think he's a piece of crap, won't argue. Um, you know, what he did or was accused of doing, we've said it before, uh, un, you know, unforgivable in, in many ways. Um, but yet here he is. And you can't, if you can pretend he's not here if you want, but he is. Um, and, and for that reason, I, I still do just kind of enjoy hearing from him and, and, and I'm interested by how he acts and what he has to say. Uh, and Matt Erickson and, and a couple other media members uh, down there in Florida had a chance to talk to him. How you feeling this week, boss? Oh, feeling phenomenal, man. Yeah. Getting ready for this weight cut. Excited. Uh, talk to me about sort of, uh, you know, overcoming what happened in, in your first one in January and, and sort of how you worked past that to get to this one. Uh, man, I had nothing to overcome, you know. I'm a <laughs> UFC fighter, trained at the best gym in the world. You know, I'm just enjoying myself, honestly. And uh, we took some time, watched the film. Calmed down after you know an aggressive fight and just broke the fight down, man, and, and moved forward. You know, it was it was actually a fun process. What did uh, like What did you take from that? What did you figure out that was new? I mean, I know obviously nothing you had done before that went longer than like a minute and a half, right? So getting into the second round was was one step along the way to begin with. Yeah, for sure, that was um, completely new, man. And uh, we just you know we went back to the drawing board, put the uh, put the put the uh, plans into action, man, and. Made it effective, you know. When you're at the number one gym in the world, it's, it's the easy thing to do. You know, we got the best owners, we got the best coaches, the best fighters, man. So it's just a a matter of actually implementing the plan and me get, getting out there and execute. Why well, did you think didn't go your way? Was did you feel the nerves like getting to the octagon for the first time? Was everything related to the debut, or it was more like because of the fight? Uh, it was more just me being a young fighter, you know, not heeding all my coaches' advice with the uh, adrenaline and this, that, and the other. But I don't do nerves. I've been a professional athlete way too long for that, man. It's, it was more too excited, too um, too amped up, too happy. <laughs> Just you know, and everything kind of has to be in the right pocket when you're when you're in the octagon, fighting half naked with another dude. So, 
during, during uh, your NFL career and your position, you usually use a lot of hands, uh, hand usage, usage, a lot of uh, wrestling maybe things. <laughs> some, some football players learn a bit of, of wrestling in order to be able to be more effective in, in football. But how has your transition been from an NFL player to an MMA fighter? It's been a great transition, man. Like I said, you know, one of the best gyms in the world. You got the best coaches. They make it very easy. And being a defensive lineman, you know, I'm a general at hand-to-hand -hand combat. And uh, I just had to make small adjustments when it came to um, striking, which I, you know, hope everybody sees that's why and that I'm really good at it. But, you know, it hasn't really been too tough just athletically-wise, switching, switching a few things, switching a few details so that, you know, I can fall into the positions that I need to and um, kind of get ahead when I'm actually 10 years behind. How do you think you match up with Dimitri? Come again? How do you think you match up with Dimitri? I don't think I match up with anybody, man. Um, I think I might be the biggest person in the UFC. Uh, um, so hopefully I'm the fastest, one of the most athletic. I think the only difference between me and uh, everybody else is uh, my intelligence in the, in, in the game and, you know, my, my maturity and experience, you know. And we're working on that t every single day, tires, tirelessly to catch up in that aspect, but athletically and physically, man, I think there is no comparison. This is the show and I am it. What do you know about him, though, your opponent? Uh, I know that he's a UFC fighter, and as you've seen in last fight, my last fight, that that's a real thing, you know, and there's a difference between competition and an opponent's and opposition when it comes to the UFC versus the world. So I know that he's uh, coming to fight and he's a serious, uh, he's a serious threat. I got to put it down fast. You mentioned the experience. Uh, you're in the co-main event for this the second time in two UFC fights. Tell me a little bit about sort of what that means to you. Does that help put a little chip on your shoulder? Does it give you a little confidence boost that you know that the bosses like are, are looking at you? Like, dance, man! Like a co-main event, baby. What are you talking about? It's the best place in the world, man. Like, uh, it's like being in the Super Bowl back to back. You know, it's like playing in the playoff game over and over again. Um, it gives me confidence. You know, I have the opportunity to come out, show what I got. The powers that be believe in me, you know, it's just a, it's a great feeling. You know, I didn't have to come down to the bottom, started a, started a low-level fight. You know, they said, hey, get back out there, show us what you got, entertain the world. And I was like, yes, sir, boss. You know, it's, it's, it's great for me. I'm excited, ecstatic, exuberant. Right, so love him or hate him, that is Greg Hardy. Now, of course, I think the fight that everybody's got to be keyed up for, right? Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus Mike Perry. My goodness, on paper, this is going to be phenomenal. I think this should be a fantastic matchup. Uh, man, I, I, it just, I just don't see how it's not fireworks, to be honest with you. I, I, I really don't see how it's not fireworks. Uh, both guys seem to be... Uh, you know, keen to throw down every time they go out there. Alex Oliveira actually was pulling it up real quick just to see where the odds were. I thought it might be a little bit more of a pick but Alex Oliveira, a favorite there. I think I did go with Alex Oliveira. I should probably pay more attention. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't accidentally copy and paste the wrong names. <laughs> pay more attention. Uh, so now you know. If you're ever using my pick for picks, understand I didn't spend a lot of time on them. I mean, not that I don't care. Now, I want to win. I'm Cole Coffee won the league last year. He won our site picks last year. I want to win. Uh, but but you know we're so busy I don't have a lot of time so maybe that'll change now we got Dave Doyle on board we got some extra bodies over there at MMA Junkie it's good um, but yeah Alex Oliveira versus Mike Perry seems like it's gonna be a lot of fun now uh, I did want to bring you some audio there too because 
uh, Matt Erickson had a chance to speak with Mike Perry. And uh, listen, Mike is always has a, he always has a rough weight cut. He always has uh, he's a little bit more grumpy, a little bit more angry as it gets closer. And this conversation happened just a few hours ago, so this was from today uh, down in Florida. But I, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was worth sharing because it's uh, it's uh, I don't know, man. It's it's definitely Mike wearing his heart on his sleeve. You guys just want me to start talking no, shit. No, man, it's, uh, we just uh, just asked you, but we'll ask you again officially how you feel this week. And ah. <laughs> feel like shit. That's how I feel. Um, no, I feel better uh, by, you know, 11 a.m. tomorrow. So I, I'm usually, like, the first one in line to weigh in. I go ahead and get on the scale. I start rehydrating, man. I'm thirsty, thirsty, thirsty right now. Is this a normal situation for you where, where it's always no. a little bit rough at the end, or is this different? I mean, it's always a little rough at the end. And I guess every next time seems to be, like, worse than the last time. Um, last time I had people help me a little bit, which I bitched more throughout the week, which is probably a little better. And this week, you know, I kind of... Like last night, I had a nice little steak, which I thought would help me push the weight out. You know, I made some mistakes, maybe. And just, you know, it's always rough worrying about the weight. And and, <clears throat> and I usually wake up on the last day with like three pounds. Like not Friday, like today, I usually have like three. And I woke up with seven. So to me, seven is like Jacare's going to do like 20 tonight. That's my seven. So I'm just, I'm going to cry to see if that'll make, help me lose some more weight. Is there anything in particular that you, that you can point to that, was, that made it more difficult this time around? Or was it, was it just the, the, less, the lesser notice of, uh, of the fight? Oh no, I'm not a very like um, by the book person. And, and I don't know, getting older, my body might take it a little differently. Um, I just, I had just put this weight back on because being, being out of camp for a while, like I was re resting at home, and uh, and you get into like a rhythm of being able to eat and drink. You don't eat and drink as much as you, you should or can, and uh, um, then when I started training again. My appetite went up, and I gained 10 pounds again, and I just got this weight back, and now my body's, like, taking it back off, and it's, like, trying to hold on to it. And it's, like, a balance between the sugars and the sodium in your body and the protein and the carbs, and, like, I don't, I don't know the exact science, so I'm always just, like, kind of throwing it up in the air. And I used to be pretty good at it, and I, I think that was my youth. And, you know, just being a little older is, like... Rougher. It's not a situation where you'd ever think in the near term about going up, would you? Hell yeah, I've been talking shit all day. Like I'm going heavyweight. <laughs> fuck, fuck middleweight. I'm going heavyweight. <laughs> um, it's just hard, man. This is the worst part. Like this is the only thing that makes me want to quit. Fighting is easy. Uh, weight cut. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it. And then I don't want to pay the guy money. You know what I mean? I guess that's like my only motivation to. To go get it done, though, because I'm like, I'm not paying him. He ain't getting my money. I just signed a new contract. I'm getting all this extra money for this fight, and it, it's not about to go to him. I'd rather not fight.
then give him any of my money. I'm already suffering. Why suffer and then pay him? So, you know, I got like five or four left, and that might not sound like a lot. But some of the fat asses watching this, you try to lose four pounds. It's probably really easy for you. You probably go lose it one night in the sauna. Fuck you. Talk to us about, you know, taking this fight just in general. I know it's not a full full camp for you. You're an injury replacement for somebody else. What was the motivation behind doing that? Were you just really itching to get back in there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Florida card. Um, you know, I was kind of looking to get on this card. And I was wondering when they were going to call. And, you know, I wasn't really training that hard, though. I was just like, I'm the type that until you call, I don't kick it into high gear. But as soon as they called, I kicked it up and, and started training hard. And, I man, I was just in the room thinking before I came down here about it's like it's kind of like weight cut rehydration after you after you go to sparring day and you spar for like an hour and a half and you get all this work in and then you chug that ice cold Powerade, bro. That shit is so good. Or body armor. Shout out body armor. <laughs> <laughs> Talk a little bit about um, not having any drama per se in this fight. The drama with you and Cerrone wasn't wasn't massive, but I mean there was a backstory there that the people were talking about beyond just that you two guys were going to fight, and you don't really have that this time around. And I wonder if that's a refreshing thing, and if it feels a little bit if it feels a little bit better as you get closer to the fight. Um, yeah, it's cool that that people really uh, you know they know that this could be a banger. Above all, like just the two styles and the two guys that we are. Uh, gonna go in there and scrap it out. So we didn't really have to do much work otherwise. But I, d I do get on social media. I say a couple things. I post a couple things. And I got plans for the weigh-ins uh, tomorrow for the ceremonials. So um, I hope that'll spark some controversy. And and you know the stuff with the with the Cowboy Cerrone fight was like. I beat myself up over that like that wasn't my drama and I let that drama get all up in my head and and I let it become this is this Jackson Wink first cowboy even though it was me stepping in and and I let too many things bother me and distract me from focusing on the goal. So Mike Perry, not maybe not exactly inspiring confidence, uh, but please understand if you haven't heard Mike in these situations, especially you know there's only you know a, a couple media members there. It's not like there's a big show he's trying to put on. It's a couple of cameras, uh, a little bit low energy, but uh, I don't know, man. The, the guy always keeps it real, man, and, and I love that. If he feels like shit, he's gonna tell you he feels like shit, and and uh, I'm I'm cool with that, man. I dig it, and. Uh, We'll see. How about the little tease there that something's going on, that uh, he's got a little little, little little trick up his sleeve for ceremonial weigh-ins. So there's something to uh, to watch out for if you happen to hear this uh, episode before the ceremonial weigh-ins air. Uh, Ian Kutalaba versus Glover Teixeira. Big fight there, man. Glover just seems like he's been around forever, man. It, it, does he still have it? Because Kutalaba you know, may not be the most refined uh, technician in the sport, uh, but he is he is definitely a strong, uh, scary dude. John Lineker versus Corey Sandhagen. That is a phenomenal fight right there. Uh, 
definitely exciting there. Thomas Gifford versus Roosevelt Roberts rounds out the ESPN Plus main card. Uh, the prelims uh, deep there as well. And again, you know, I think that there's probably a reason for that. You know, ESPN and ESPN2 airing these prelims. Uh, ben Saunders uh, against Takashi Sato. Andre Olaski versus Augusto Sakai. Carlos Esparza versus newcomer Verna Jenaroba. Uh, and Gilbert Burns versus Mike Davis. Uh, cool there. Uh, by the way, Gilbert Burns' brother um, fights the night before at Titan FC, so that's kind of cool as well. Uh, and then the ESPN2 prelims, Jason Gonzalez versus the vet, Jim Miller, Jody Escabel versus the uh, late replacement, Angela Hill, and Diego Lima versus Court McGee. So a uh, ton of recognizable names there. By the way, uh, uh, I should mention real quick, Mike Davis. I'm actually a fan. I, I, the matchup with Gilbert Burns is tough, but I like Mike Davis, man. Uh, Beast Boy. If, uh, from that Florida market, man. If you haven't seen him fight, dude, he, he was on the, the contenders, and he lost to Sadiq Yusuf, um, which no shame in that, You're right? I mean, Sadiq then comes out and has a you know performance of the night bonus. I mean, come on. Uh, and then uh, Beast Boy uh, won his rebound fight at Island Fights back in December. Now he's in the UFC, so I don't know. A tough matchup with Gilbert Burns, man. Gilbert Burns is. Legit jujitsu and not afraid to stand and bang as well. Uh, Verna Jinaroba, if you haven't heard of her, undefeated fighting out of a uh, former Invicta champion. She gave up that belt to come fight Carlos Barza. Uh, so for Verna Jinaroba to step in a, about a month's notice, I wouldn't say short, short notice, uh, a month's notice uh, to fight the former champion Carlos Barza. A big opportunity there for her as well. Um, you know, Arlowski, I'm bummed. I, I love Arlowski, man. <laughs> How do you not love Arlowski? Another guy that used to be so standoffish and angry. Now, 40 years old. Uh, you know, just three losses in a row. Needs a win here. Uh, Augusta Sakai, uh, who has an impressive record, um, but, you know, has shown an ability to be beaten as well. I think he, uh, you know, has beaten some overmatched opponents along the way. So, um, I don't know, a big moment for Andre Alaski there. So, so, some interesting matchups. I, I'm definitely intrigued in this in this fight card. Again, I think that main card over at Bellator is definitely worth your time. There's going to be some overlap here. Um, I guess the good thing is, you know, the, the prelims here on ESPN and ESPN2, you can watch those live because, you know, unless you DVR those, they're not going to be there for you, whereas the main card for the uh, the other two events, man, they're both going to be on demand since they're since they're on streaming services, ESPN Plus and DAZN, so you kind of kind of go back and forth on those or watch one at your leisure. So I dig it, man. I think it's, I, I it's going to be uh, 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 a fun fight card overall, if I'm being honest with you, man. I, I really do... Uh, like a lot of these fights, and it's gonna be a crazy night, man. Between all these, uh, all these fight cards. All right, listen. Uh, one other, since uh, since I didn't get to have fun, since I didn't go, get to go out on the road and deal with the live events, uh, I, I actually had something that I wanted to bring for you as well. I didn't want to just bring audio from other people. Oh, and, let, let me, and even before I say that, let me just say I wanted to have some more stuff from Matt Erickson, even though he did share two of his scrums. Um, but uh, without revealing too much, Matt Erickson had. Um, a, a little family emergency pop up. So, uh, if, if you're a buddy of Matt Erickson or you follow him online, uh, you know, give him give him some love, man. He, he had some bad news, uh, some family stuff that he's dealing with uh, that he's gonna have to kind of soldier through while he's down there. So I didn't want to get him on the phone and take up too much of his time. Um, but uh, but yeah, shout out to Matt Erickson. Stay stay strong this week. All right, so listen, uh, I, I wanted to get involved as well. I didn't want this to just be about other guys' work. So um, here, here's what I did. I had a conversation. This is actually the, the conversation I had earlier this month, um, but I saved it for a couple of reasons um, that, that uh, well, I, I'll just say it. I mean, no, well, no, yeah, I'll just say it. 
<laughs> he he uh he shared some news about some friends of his that were coming to town, and I said, you know what? Let me sit on this and not release that until later, until these friends uh come and go, and and they're back out of town, so they don't get bothered while they're here. Uh, so I sat on that for a little bit, and also, you know, I was on the road, and we had so much to get to the last couple weeks. I thought I would wait until we did this, but Ricky Lundell is a guy that I have a lot of respect for, and and you, you may, you know, if you're a newcomer to the sport, you might not remember the name, but Ricky Lundell um has is a, a, a grappling coach is what he's best known as uh, an, an overall MMA coach. He's he's an incredibly smart dude. Uh, he uh, I mean so smart like legit smart. I think he, if I remember right, he graduated college when he was like 19 or some ridiculous like that. <laughs> he is uh, he is a, a multiple time black belt, multiple degree black belt. I should say in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I think I want to say third or fourth degree black belt under Pedro Sauer, if I remember right, uh, world pancreas champion, uh, D1 wrestler. Uh, I mean, the dude, when it comes to wrestling, when it comes to grappling, uh, is an absolute wizard. He actually teaches uh, the wrestling team here at Bishop Gorman, which if uh, Bishop Gorman is a very, very respected private school in the community, and uh, he teaches the, the wrestling program there now. Um, still involved in MMA a little bit, and we talk about that, but not quite as much as he was. Um, but, you know, he, he worked with Ronda Rousey. Uh, he worked with Travis Brown, Carlos Cotton. He's, he's worked with numerous people over the years. And, and um, I, I don't know, I just the, – the guy, he has an incredible attitude – um, he's an incredible athlete, an incredible knowledge for the sport, but he's also one of the most positive dudes I've ever met. Um, and he, it's always struck me. And, and uh, come to find out, he's written a book. I had no idea. 1% Better Every Day, Ricky Lindell's Personal Guide to Back Squats. And I thought, you know, if, if you follow this guy, on, on, he talks about this journey, but he has this theory of getting 1% better every day. Um, and that's not a, a new theory. Hell, I think Benson Henderson used to say 1% better every day. But he has this theory of getting better at 1% every day. But instead of just talking about it, instead of just being a theoretical 1% every day, he found something that you can actually measure. And he made himself get 1% better every single day. And it just happened to be back squats. And, you know, it's funny. I watched him along this journey, and, and, and I like Ricky. And he, I have all the respect in the world for him, but I didn't necessarily understand what the hell he was doing, you know. And then he ends up writing this book. Um, and I don't know, I, I had a chance to talk to him about it and, um, I, I don't know, man, it's, it, to me, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a very positive influence, man. And, and, and I, I just love hearing from guys like this. It's, he's a huge influence to me. Um, and whether he knows it or not, and I'm sure he doesn't, you know, but, um, you know, he's, he's a great dude and, uh, and I just wanted to have a chance to share this conversation. So I waited a couple weeks, uh, so that, so that his news passed, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll definitely hear about that news. Um, uh, but you'll hear a lot about his motivation and for doing what he's doing. And, uh, I don't know, man, I shared some things I was not expecting to hear, um, from Ricky Linda. Oh dude, how you been, man? I'm good, man. It's still a good time for you. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Well, yeah, let's just get into it, man. So, I mean, what compelled you to write a book, man? I know you're a busy guy that has, you know, a lot of irons in the fire and all, always working on different stuff. So what compelled you to take the time to sit down and crank out a book, man? So, so I, uh, I've, been, I've been trying to help people for a long time in, uh, as a coach and as, a, as an athlete uh, understand how to uh, do exactly what it is that they've set out to do. And... Uh, through that process, I, uh, I've had a mentality um, of 100% commitment to whatever it is that I'm doing, and, and then, I, and then I, I get to that result by trying to get 1% better every day. And it's taken me a long time to, uh, 
to be able to uh, fully write down um, and and put into works like what that idea is, how it how it actually works. And there's so many guys out there, you know, they just they just stop at hard work. They just stop at, you know, they just say, you know, if you work hard, you can get what you want. And it's like, well, you know, if you work hard on the wrong things, you won't. Mm. And and I've seen I've seen a lot of guys working hard, and I've I've coached a lot of guys that have worked hard, and they never have understood exactly what it is. Why why is it that I'm working hard, but I'm never winning? And it has a lot to do with with uh, with how you're getting better, and what you actually need for growth, as opposed to what you think you need. And so, so uh, when I was going when I was going through my divorce, and uh, my younger brother had just died, um, I I needed to commit myself to something. Mm. So I committed myself to uh, I, I went I went to this Olympic weightlifting gym where this guy had trained tons and tons of uh, Olympians and world team members. And his name is uh, John Bros. And I said I went in there and I I. I knew that, you know, lifting could help my, my jujitsu. It could help my wrestling, but it's a new mountain I could climb, you know? And I said, Hey John, what can I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 29 years old. I turned 30 in, in 26 days. And, you know, I, I, I'd like to be able to lift, lift more. I lift like 275 pounds for a squat right now, which at the time I thought was pretty good. And, um, uh, and he, he, he said, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't know, squat 500 pounds. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, he goes, he looks at me and he's like, yeah, you can do it. And I'm like, well, wait a second. I'm 29 years old. I turned 30 in like 26 days. You know, everybody is there that I've ever talked to has told me like, as soon as I cross, I mean, that's a, that's a big barrier. And then, you know, how, how could I get past my physical peak? Of where I was already at. And so he said, well, you know what you got to do? I mean, you got to, you got to, you're going to have to squat every day, uh, as much as possible. The more you do it, you know, the more you do it, the stronger you'll get. And then I, I was like, okay, well I'll do, uh, I said, I said, Hey, well, so, so I, I need to squat as much as I can, you know? And he said, I was like, like how much, how much do I need to squat? And he said, uh, you know, just you squat up to as much as you can and that's, and then, and then you do some sets. And so I was like, okay, I can commit to that. I just needed a commitment. Right. right? <laughs> Dude. So I committed to this, I committed to this, this thing. And I said, okay, I'll do 500 days in a row. I will max squat until the weight falls. And I, I videoed and documented the whole, the whole experience. Right. Well, well, during this whole experience, this is what opened up this book for me, is I've been trying for a long time to explain uh, why it is that I win or why it is that certain people win. You know, winners win and losers lose, and why is it that they always find a way? And uh, so I made this, I made this total front-end commitment, and I documented it. I put it out on Instagram. And I said, you know, I will squat 500 days in a row to max or I will die. <laughs> those are, those are the only options. And, uh, against all doctors counsel against all everything, even normal periodization, like normal trainers, everything I've ever learned 
they say, you know, you got to have, you got to rest. Yep. You do one leg day a week. You, you know, you can't do that every day. People even online, they're like leg day. Oh, right. <laughs> it was leg day every day for 500 days. And what happened was, is at the end of uh, this journey of squatting every day, I hit 615 pounds. I was squatting consistently over 600 pounds for the last two weeks, every single day. And I learned to live. I, 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 I became a, a person that was strong. I was 178 pounds squatting in the 600 range. Jeez. And I was still wrestling and doing jujitsu. And uh, what I learned uh, through this process was there's, there's a lot of, uh, and, I, and I talk about it in the book, Right. I talk about I, I use squatting as the vessel to try to explain to people how they can how they can improve, you know, right. and it could be with anything. It could be it could be your career, what you do. doesn't matter um, because it's, it's more about the mindset. And so through this process, I did uh, uh, when my physical body would get tired because, dude, it got really tired. I got my my eye exploded. I have it like in the book. I had a. I had a, uh, my eye hemorrhage during it and, Ugh. and, uh, you know, I had to go to a doctor and he, he was monitoring it and I could only lift to max as much as my eye could handle Ugh. the pressure Ugh. so that I wouldn't go blind. Ugh. And people were saying, Hey, you know, you should, you should stop. And I was like, well, you know, I would stop except for, I'm not a what, what if guy, I, I made a commitment and I'm going to do it. And because I made that commitment, I, I got past soreness. Like I got so, I got so tired physically that then to get to the gym, I had to control my mind Mm. and I had to mentally be in control because my body was saying, dude, I can't even move. And then I would hear that in my mind because the only thing that was strong at that time was then my mind. And it was like, no, you got to get up. You made a commitment. You're going to go do this. Well, then at times, you know, I would lose both of those, right? Because I had, I had had a death and I was going through a divorce. So I went into this, uh, this new phase where I didn't have, uh, my physical was broken down and my, my emotional, my thought process, my mind was broken down. But then when those things were broken down, I stepped into like what you would call like the Rocky phase where it was about willpower and spirit. And I started to develop on a, on a spiritual level because I went through, through, uh, the body and the mind to find that. And so, so it's, uh, the book's, the book's a lot about, it's heavily about improvement, how, uh, you, you know, everybody wants to be a, a winner like Rocky, but sometimes you got to get past your physical and your mental to, to then fight spirit to spirit, you know, willpower to willpower, heart to heart. And when people say, I, I don't understand why I, I lost, you know, I have all the technique. I had all the, the skills. I had the right mindset. Oh, well, he, he had more willpower than you. So you have to deplete yourself enough to get to that stage. Mm. And, uh, this 1% better every day book talks about it. And I, I don't do that. I grew a lot doing this. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a grind, but it was awesome. I wonder, yeah, because you know when I looked at it, I, I was, I was, you know, obviously I haven't had a chance to read the book yet, but just reading the title, I'm like, is this, is this a, 
you know, an instruction on how to on, on just about weightlifting because I don't know that I care about uh, squatting so much or, or, or building up something like that. Or is this more of a you know something that could change somebody's life as far as like an overall you know philosophy on life? So I mean, it, it, do you see the the the, the target audience as anybody, or, or is it somebody that is interested in weightlifting or or, or physical improvement? Yeah, the the target audience is everybody and anybody because the mindset fits with anybody. It's why winners win and it's why losers lose. And uh, it's it's how to get one percent better every day. It's the the mind the things that you should actually be focused on. You know, you, you, sometimes sometimes uh, you're a really strong individual, but you need flexibility. But you won't do that. You just keep trying to bench press. Over time, you uh, you cause cause more more problems, and then you eventually tear something or hurt something because you didn't have any flexibility. So, at what point did it become detrimental? At what point did you not really get one percent better every day? And it's about it's about looking at yourself from all angles. Uh, and squatting is just the vessel that I use, and the reason I used the squatting was because it's something everybody knows what it is. It crosses all all boundaries, and uh, it's not like when I when I say I do jujitsu, somebody else goes, "Well, I box." Squatting is something that's like it doesn't it doesn't really matter who you are. You could be a runner girl, you could be Kim Kardashian, you could be John Morgan, or you know you could be John Jones. You you can be anybody at any time, and you'll know what I'm talking about. So that's why I picked. So that's why I picked squatting. I dig it. Um, but the mindset. It, it's something bigger. It's, it, it's been it's been crazy, John, because it's just something a lot bigger, and I think it could help a lot of people. That's awesome. No matter their no matter their space that they're in now. It's funny. I mean, it sounds like it almost uh, helped you as well. I mean, did it end up being kind of, uh, I guess, cathartic for you as well as you were going through the process? Because I know that that writing a book. I mean, of course, I, I make a living as a writer, but I know you know putting everything. To, together and and going through the process of it it's it's not a, a simple or an easy one man so i, I know it took a, a lot of dedication but did it end up kind of being a a good thing for you as well yeah john the 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 growth behind behind all of it has been so helpful i mean it it gave me structure it gave me commitment it gave me uh something to focus on at a time where i talked about this in the book but anybody who's going through a struggle you're going through a hard time. Um, that that hard time can be overcome by a why. Why why do I do this? Why why does John Morgan do what he does? You know why why do you get up every day? Why are you why are you the badass that you are? Why do you get on the phone and make stuff happen and get on the plane and go? Well, there's a reason John Morgan does that, and I and it is not my same reason because we're two different people. Right. And uh, you have something that was given to you specifically that is the thing that will make you happy no matter what. And I have something for me. And uh, when we try to do someone else's, it doesn't work. Through this, through this, uh, through this book, we, I discussed the why a lot because I lost my why for ten years. I had been, I had been uh, married to someone. I thought we were going to have kids together. Um, I was taking care of her two children, and treated them as my own. And then, uh, through that process, one, and I was, I was every day being a dad, the best dad I could be, cause I was going to be a great dad. I was, I'm a great mentor. And, and that's part of my why. That's part of my calling. Well, one day, you know, 
I, I woke up one day and my, my marriage was over. She, she was in love with uh, another person and had been for a few years. And my reality collapsed. It was not a struggle. It was devastation. And, and at the same time, my younger brother had, had just died, who was my best friend, my training partner. Um, and uh, I, I, I raised him. You know, it was, it was uh, more devastation. And I mean, to the point where I needed a commitment. I needed something. You know, I needed something to be committed to and something that I could make marked improvements at. And because I had that, I was able to refine a why. I'm marrying. I'm marrying the love of my life in, in like five days. Oh, wow. I, I met, dude. I met this woman, uh, and and she has the same type of mindset. One hundred percent. We're committed to each other, and uh, you know she's she's like, uh, she she's just incredible, dude. She's incredible, and it it changed my life inside of inside of two and a half years. I went from a guy under complete devastation with no why to a man who knew, knows more about himself, who he is, what his character is and, and how he will always overcome. That's awesome. And, uh, and, and during that whole thing, I mean, while I was going through it, it, it inspired a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of people as they watched because they're struggling. So long story short, John, the dude, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been more than awesome. That's why, I have so much to say on it. I dig it, man. That's awesome. Well, uh, congratulations on the marriage as well, man. That's good stuff. What, um, dude? What, it's good stuff, man. And she's good. not even pregnant. You know? <laughs> We're actually getting married because we want to. Kind of crazy. That's awesome. Well, uh, you know, people are going to want to know, man. What what role does does mixed martial arts play in your life these days, man? What's uh, what's your level of involvement in, in MMA these days, dude? Mixed martial arts. Uh, I'm still rocking and rolling. In fact, crazy crazy thing. Well, this is a little off of mixed martial arts, but, but this weekend, uh, I have, I'm going to have a whole slew of just tons of, tons of people in, in the, uh, in the wedding that are from mixed martial arts, but Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown, they're coming up in the, uh, they're coming up in a hot air balloon. We're getting married in a hot air balloon. (laughs) Wow. uh, Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown, they were, uh, they were going through different things like Travis was fighting and, and Rhonda had lost and they were, they were, uh, staying at my house. And, uh, so we went through a lot with them. And then when I went through my things, we went through a lot with me and, uh, it's only, it's only like family up in the hot air balloon. And, That's awesome. and, and they're coming, man. They're freaking coming. That's awesome. It's, it's going to be, and Travis is marrying me. He, he became an ordained minister to marry me. Is that right? Kind of. Yeah, bro. That dude. is incredible. Yeah. Dude, so I'm going to have Hoppa Brown like up there yeah, <laughs> doing his thing. That's Everybody got to got to get on a hot air balloon. It's going to be it's going to be wild. That's phenomenal. Are you still working with any fighters right now or are you are you just basically doing the, you know, the, the Bishop Gorman gig? So I dude, I just uh I I just finished this one. I'm waiting for uh Condit to call. He he said that he has some in the works. Um but uh, I'm just doing Bishop Gorman. I just finished this book, and I'm writing another one. And uh, and then and then I'm I'm looking at some some type of involvement with uh, with Travis as he's moving forward. So so my direction is my direction shifted a little bit. But uh, I'm always ready to work with uh, I'm always ready to work with somebody who wants to be the best they can be. You know, I want to I want to work with guys who 
who want to win. Yeah, no doubt. What what do you you know the the Bishop Gormagig teaching kids uh, wrestling? How, how's that going for you? What you know what does that does that provide for you? Is it just a job or is it more of a life thing? What, what's that like for you? You know, uh, John, the, coaching at Bishop Gorman uh, and coaching athletes that are 14, 15, 16, 17, you know, it, uh, it's, it's amazing because it, it helps me get down to the base level, to, to what it is that, that might have been covered up by, by a guy who just can never win the title all the way back when he was 15, 16, 17, to, uh, to where the real problem is. You know, years go by and people have, have techniques that they've built and they, they, they know the techniques, they know the moves, but they have no accountability. They skip practice. They don't, they, don't, uh, they don't do what they actually need to do to win and they don't have the character to be the man who is out there winning. And so being at Bishop Gorman and coaching these young men, it, is, it has made me so much better at coaching and really understanding why it is that like guys like Cale Sanderson, who, who I was, I was blessed to be coached by and, uh, why, why all these athletes are still winning at Penn state. Why, why all of these, all of these guys keep winning and they keep saying, well, it's fun and it's about character and it's about, it's about being a better person. And, uh, the moves are just moves, but, but, the real person inside of you will come out inside of the match. Mm. And, uh, at Bishop Gorman, you know, you, you get athletes that are really high level, uh, and you get a guy who's never, ever wrestled before. <laughs> and they, they need all different levels of technique. You know, it doesn't matter what the vessel is at the end of the day, the guy who's a winner, the guy who's, who scores, the guy who makes sure he gets his job done, you know, uh, guys, guys like you that just, they, they just know how to. They know how to win. They know how to always get it done. That's a different kind of man than the guy who has the excuse that's that can never ever get it done. For some reason, you know, there's there's reasons and results. And Bishop Foreman helps me understand. Like there are reasons and there are results, and you can't have both. That's awesome. And uh, it makes it very clear. Well, that's very cool. What's the What's the next book that you're working on? Is it uh, in in similar fashion or something out out of the Dude, box? We're doing a we're doing we're doing a jujitsu uh, jujitsu and wrestling book to uh, to tie everything together. And I did a I just did a, a DVD instructional for BJJ fanatics and uh, wrestlingfanatics.com. They uh, they're like one of the largest DVD sales sites in the world. And what I did was I did uh, snatches, clean and jerks front squats, back squats. And, um, I did some crazy, like just some, some big numbers, you know, like, uh, snatch 225 pounds and, uh, clean 300 pounds, squat 500 pounds, uh, and, uh, front squat 365 pounds. And I did all the instructional and the lift all in one day. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a way to show people like, you know, you, you, you become that person. It's not a, it's not a, you know, I'm going to peak for today. And then on my best me, this is who I am. Now, it, 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 on my lowest me, on my worst day, this is who I am. And, and that's really what you want to strive for. So I did this DVD for them. And, um, and it's, it's instructional and, and about the mindset. So, so I, I, I believe that uh, I'm going to help a lot of people inside of the mixed martial arts world. Um, because I'm going to do something that other people aren't doing for them, I'm going to get down to the core root 
of what's going on, why you're a loser or why you're a winner. And I want to I want to help people there, not just on how to throw a jab. All right, welcome back to Emmy Road Show. That was my conversation with Ricky Lundell. Uh, man, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation, man. It just, it, just listen to it again inspires me, man. It really does. I, it's like, I feel like I want to just turn that phone call on, uh, every day and start the morning. <laughs> Get me thinking about what matters. I mean, listen, I had no idea. I hadn't, I, I hadn't talked to him in a while, to be honest with you. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Um, you know, I'm so busy, of course, with, with my, with my family, my kid and, and, and work. And, and, and sometimes you don't cross paths with people as, as much anymore, and hell, that even makes me want to change that and, and think about the way that I conduct myself around town here in Las Vegas and, and even just in the industry itself, man. But I had no idea about some of the personal stuff he had gone through. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I've ordered his book, man. I'm, I'm excited to get it. Uh, I, I, I have all the respect in the world from him, and I'm looking forward to checking it out. I don't know if I'll ever do any squats. <laughs> I'm trying to get better about. Uh, I'm trying to get better about health. I, I've, I've had a few less frosty beverages this week. I've, I've hit the gym a couple times this week. I'm trying to do a little bit better. Baby steps along the way. One percent better every day, as some might say. Uh, but you know. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to check it out. So, uh, good dude. Good dude, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that conversation. All right, listen, uh, like I said, busy, busy, busy week. Uh, we'll have it all covered. I'm going to be working. I'm going to work Friday night, um, so I will be helping with uh, the Titan FC coverage uh, with uh, with Matt Erickson out there. And, again, like I said, hopefully we'll have something for Dana White, so pay attention to that. If there's any news breaking, we'll have that on Friday night. Uh, LFA 64 as well. Uh, Fernanda Prochis will be working in the morning on Saturday, so she'll be covering Cage Warriors and KSW, but we'll have recaps of that up on the site, and that's because the rest of us are going to be uh, getting ready for a long night of UFC on ESPN Plus 8 and Bellator 220. So we will have all of that coming to MMA Junkie this weekend, and uh, maybe we'll do a little and a half. A little and a half? Probably should, huh? We'll see how it's going. I am actually working on that too, just to let you guys know, because I know everybody loves the and a half. I love the and a half. I do, uh, and so I've actually been talking to Simon Samano, and still we're 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 exploring changes. We're exploring things we could do. Uh, like I said, Dave Doyle, formerly of MMA Fighting, he's on board with us at MMA Junkie now. Uh, that's kind of freeing up the schedule a little bit, and if all works out as hoped, um, I don't know. I, I I'm hoping I can get it written into my actual uh, job duties. We can get this podcast written into my actual job duties. And uh, maybe the uh, and a half becomes something that we do. Uh, the the stream that we did, we did a, a preview out in Atlanta, which was fun. You know, not such a formal preview, but just kind of a, a sitting down. It was me, uh, Mike Bond, and Oscar Willis from the Mac Life. We had a good time doing that. Uh, I'd love to do more of that, where maybe it's just kind of more free flowing, you know, live stream type stuff. Not such a a buttoned up preview of like throw to this package, that package, this thing. So we'll see, we'll see. We got, we're we're talking about it. We're trying to figure things out. Uh, so that's what's happening. And uh, we'll keep you up to date as quickly as possible. In the meantime, thanks for listening.